The following podcast contains some strong language and some very average opinions. Any references to actual people are wildly inaccurate. It's probably best if you don't listen at all. The Roaring Peacock Podcast. Welcome back to the Roaring Peacock Podcast. This is the Youth Pod, uh, episode nine, I do believe. And we will be reviewing the Palace game, which we lost 2-0 and you you had to pay £3 for. Uh, Presumably, the money was collected to to bribe the referee, allegedly. And we'll look at Noah Kenner, player profile, and we'll look ahead to the Wolves preview. So my name is Ross, and you know me as at RossBell1984, and it's a very good hello from me. (laughs) (laughs) And joining us on the youth pod is uh, Rob, a juicy Rob. Good evening, Ross. I like your new hairstyle. (laughs) Thank you. I've, um, yeah, advanced hair studio. Um, Yeah. And and at Matt Yingham, who uh, is the the owner of LUFC Academy Central, is here with us too. Hello, everybody. Hello. Okay. Uh, I know basically nothing about the under-23s, and you guys are the experts, so I'm going to leave it up to you. First thoughts, gentlemen? Yeah, the Palace game. Uh, first defeat in 10, and we had to pay £3 for it. So, yeah, not a great day all around. Somerville sent off after about 20, 20 minutes, I think, half an hour. So, yeah, just uh, probably best to just put it put it behind us, and uh, let's talk about now and Kenner and Wolves a bit more, I think. Right, yeah. Any thoughts on the... Palace game, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I was, first of all, um, came, before I came on this thought, I'm not going to focus on the negatives, which is the first loss that we've covered for the under-23s, actually, on this podcast. Right. So I'm going to spin it around. We're going to talk about Sean Derry still having a ridiculous haircut because he was the gaffer of the Crystal Palace under-23s. Um, and obviously, we're not going to give a referee that allows Crystal Palace 21 fouls without a single booking, I don't think, at that time. Plus our 54% possession uh, and basically domination of the game uh, to spoil our fun with his uh, refereeing antics. Like you say, I think he took a small bribe from the £3 donations for the game. So instead, I wanted to talk a little bit about something else that happened on the on the week, which was the um, joining of the Marching Out Together podcast, which actually is relevant to the um, under-23s. It wasn't a podcast, it was a Zoom call, wasn't it? Um, so I was hoping to be able to serenade but, our... Uh, another one. Another podcast. Not another one. Not another oh, Leeds God. podcast. I was Another ho- Leeds podcast. Hoping to serenade our listeners with a bit of information from that, which I found um, absolutely enthralling um, and, and an exhilarating listen and, a, and an insight into what goes on at the academy level. So if I can be permitted to discuss that at some point during this uh, recording, I shall. How, how long do you need? Not long. No, go on then. Not long. Not long. Just a teaser. So... Um, First of all, as we all know uh, here at the Roaring Pickup, we are big um, uh, advocates and, and partners and friends and allies to marching out together, which uh, any of our listeners, I do um, hope that you do follow all their socials and you also become a member and get involved in any... Can, can I just ask you, sorry, it's, be, it's plaguing, it's playing on my mind. Yes. It's like, can, can you just explain Sean Derry? He was the um, under-23s um, gaffer for Crystal Palace. Um, okay. he, he had a ridiculous haircut when he was a player, and uh, he had a ridiculous haircut uh, on uh, on the side. Are we lines. talking eighties mullet? Are we talking Beckham two thousand era Mohican? All, uh, all all round 
unofficial Wildman Caveman style. Now, actually, I don't okay. mind Sean Derry, um, and I've got a, a, not an association with him personally, but a good friend who followed his career quite closely. Um, and uh, yeah, so if he, by some chance he listens to this, it was just supposed to be a jovial dig at your terrible hair. Okay, got it, got it. Okay, <laughs> so the caveman Sean Derry needs a uh, he needs a visit to the uh, barbers ASAP. Um, so. Let's go back to what you're talking about. So you joined a Zoom call with Marching Out Together. Yes. And there was a couple of people from the academy and they were giving a speech. Yes, they gave a talk to the members of Marching Out Together around some of the good work that the LGBTQ plus community and the academy is knitting together to do. To do, um, And also they gave a kind of wider insight or a little bit of insight into some other things that have been happening with regards to um, the Academy. Um, and I just thought it was all around interesting. It was um, Katie Slee, who's the Academy Education and Player Care Manager. I hope I've got her title correctly. Um, and Callum Murphy, who is the Player Care Lead. Um, and I thought both of them um, were absolutely um, completely transparent um, and really, really informative and educational with the information that they were giving over. They look after our player welfare in the academies from the under nines all the way up to the under 23s. And that involves all aspects of player care from uh, diet, exercise, training, schedules, education, knowledge sharing um, and care, really. The all round care of those players from whatever that package might look like, depending on the relevant age range. And long and short of it. It's so pleasing to see that the the feedback from them is that across the academy, along all age ranges, we've not only got the support for marching out together in terms of the educational piece around the LGBTQ plus community and inclusivity, um, but also kind of some of the insights into the psychology of some of the younger players, which I think a, a lot of a lot of the time is overlooked. Some of these lads we talk about week in and week out on this podcast and YouTube channel are, are 17, 18 years old. And we talk a lot about the criticism and shouldering that expectation that the Leeds fan base will bring. And it's really, really good to know that someone like Callum or Katie is looking after these lads uh, in terms of both the player development perspective and their specialised departments, of course, and coaching staff that do that, but also from a guidance, welfare, social responsibility aspect, which it seems like uh, that our young lads from the under-16s, under-18s and the under-23s really take on board, uh, caring the community projects, um, understanding their um, role and what they play in terms of a role model for society and, and our football club. So it was a very interesting talk and I really, really wanted to just thank uh, Wiggy and all the people over at Marching Out Together for allowing um, me to join uh, and also just sort of give our listeners a bit of an insight into that. Brilliant. May, do you have anything to add? No, I think Rob's got it all covered. Obviously, it's good to know that not only the players are in good hands, but uh, that's obviously feeding onto the community as well, and the players are all playing the part. I think it's, I think it's good. It's all good. I think a lot of a lot of that stuff really goes under the surface, doesn't it? So you just, with football, you tend to just see the results. I mean, at a very shallow, basic level, you just you really just see the goals. Oh, we lost two nil. Okay, and then switch over onto the next thing or whatever. Um, but so much goes on under the surface of this club. And I uh, really think it's great that you've got that insight from marching out together and, uh, yeah, regaled it with, regaled us with it. Um, okay. Um, Matty, did you have anything that you wanted to talk about? You had, a, you had some kind of interview with some fella from Oldham. How's Alfie McCalmont getting on? 
Yeah, he's doing he's doing all right. Uh, yeah, my my mate that just came on with me this morning uh, for LUFC Academy Central, my site. Uh, he goes to, he goes to uni with me, and he's uh, he works for Oldham's media team. Uh, just kind of let me know what how Alfie McCallum were getting on. So yeah, that video will be on my site on my Twitter, so you can find it on there. Just uh, said how he was getting on, talked about his possibilities of being a Bielsa player and sort of the ability that he has and yeah just how he's getting on in, in League 2 and it was all it was all good all good uh, all good news so yeah go give that a watch for the for the full thing okay and we rushed over it really quickly um but palace then can we just can we spend a minute or two just on palace we were talking a lot on um WhatsApp and on other podcasts about multi-positional youth players that we've got and the theme of Bielsa liking versatility in the squad. So I noticed, but um, uh, as we all know from a small temper tantrum I had before the game where it was sprung upon me that I might have to pay £3 being a tight Yorkshireman <laughs> uh, and, and not expecting that. I missed the first 15 minutes due to my... I saw the second yellow, uh, not, the, not the first yellow. So uh, I was also surprised by the red card due to my own anger issues. Um, but I wanted to talk or ask Matty about the position that I saw Drame playing in. So he kind of started more as a CDM with Huggins on the right, but I didn't know if that was a position that he'd adopted from the beginning of the game or if that transitioned in around the red card because I'd missed the first bit. So we discussed around, obviously, with us profiling Noah today, who's a DM, CDM type player, um, what drama would bring to that role previously. So I didn't know if you had any insights on that, Matty. Uh, to be honest, I think drama was just doing the man-marking job. I, I wouldn't have said he was particularly lined up as a holding midfielder. Um yeah, he's kind of just following following his man in, and the the, the left winger for Palace who was marking, I think I can't remember his first name, but it was something Hale, and he was actually a really really decent player. Um, and yeah, Drama was kind of just doing the man marking job. I wouldn't say I wouldn't have said he was lined up as a as a holding midfielder. Probably more, he was. I think he started as sort of a right a right centre back in a three, and then Huggins was the right wing back with Davis as the left wing back. That's how I think it was lined up. Um, then it was Jenkins in the middle with McKinstry, um, and then a front three of Somerville, Gellar, and uh, McCarron, I think. Yeah, McCarron. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was sort of a three-four-three, three, and then Drama was just sort of doing his man-marking job and ended up pushing into the middle a little bit if, to follow his man in there. But then when Kenner came on in the second half, obviously we're going to talk more about Kenner today, but he kind of adopted like a solid holding midfield role. Um, Which is where we've seen him play previously. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. And when we were trying to get back in the game, obviously it's kind of his job to try and distribute the ball forward. I thought Kenner actually did quite uh, quite well when he came on. And I know we brushed over it before saying it's, saying it's just one to move on from, but there were positives to take. I thought they pushed until the very end. They were really looking up to score in the second half. A few really good individual performances, even even down to 10 men. I thought Casey was brilliant again. Uh, I've been singing his praises recently. I thought he was really good. Uh, and I thought Leif Davis was unbelievable. I, I, I know a lot of people, I, I think I see on Twitter a lot of people question Davis and I'm, I'm not quite sure what else he can do. I think he's exceptional in the 23s and then uh, just sort of has to, has to work for a chance really in the first team. Uh, 
But do you think that's why? Why he's getting a bit of beef on on from a very small percentage of our fan base sometimes on socials is because they see and hear about his uh, uh, glowing performances when he does dip down to the twenty threes. He's forever on the bench for the first eleven. He's an omnipresent character on the bench. But because it's Dallas Alioski, this kind of switching around. Apart from the very good Davis uh, famous quote and and the the games last year, he hasn't pushed forward into the first eleven this year. So I yeah. think people are a bit impatient with him and expect him to be playing but it's not his job he can't pick himself to be left back yeah. otherwise he, I'm sure he would pick himself every week so I think maybe it's a bit of an impatient part of the fan base that are ragging on him because they don't see him enough I think you took, you've touched on this before Rob when we were discussing Huggins uh, and the thing that Huggins has over him I mean we've just said he played as a right wing back against Palace he's played as a right back before he's played as the number 8 he's played as left back left wing back he can play left wing uh, Davis is a left back I mean, we've seen him at centre back. He could probably do a job. He can do a job at centre back, but you would never. If you looked, if you looked at him, and if you looked at the lineup, and you saw Davis at centre back, you would probably say, "Oh, that's where we can hurt him," just because he's not. He's not the biggest. He's not the tallest. Uh, he's not like the most commanding. He's quick. He's got a good left foot. He can play, but you would just look at him as a weak point if you if you had if you had him lined up at centre half every week. And I think you've you said this before. It's just his his downside is being able to play just one position, which is left back. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I like Davis. I'm, I'm honestly a big fan of him. I think he's got great pace. Uh, he seems to make the right runs. It's not just an overlap every time. He can come inside. Uh, he's got bags of energy. He seems a fit lad. And I'm, I know I've just said he's not the strongest, but he's he seems to have beefed up a little bit. He seems to he seems to be getting stronger than when we kind of first saw him. He seems seems a bit bulkier, a bit bigger. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just his pace is just so threatening. He, he was superb in the three 0 against Reading. I thought as one of his best games of the season. Um, yeah, I mean, like I say, I'm a fan of his, but maybe you were right, Robin. Just it's it's just that lack of versatility that uh, that kind of holds him back, and maybe why Bielsa don't throw him in because you know we love to switch, we like to switch formations, you know, midstream sometimes in a game, and. If he can play left back, it's massively lim- if he can only play left back, it's massively limited to what he can do. Whereas Alioski and Dallas have both previously played in midfield, so it's it's about being able to switch formations in the game and he doesn't really offer you that option. I think the thing of thing about people with on Twitter is that everybody uh, kind of wants things instantly. You know, they they see somebody like Bielsa, who is God, shouting "Very good, Davis," and they think, "Oh wow, Davis must be the next Roberto Carlos." So you set this really high expectation. Oh, R- Roberto Carlos! Oh, Bielsa's like very good, Davis. You know, and they, he's never going to meet it. And that's kind of why we say, you know, we're the six hundred and seventy fifth best LUFC podcast. Because if we say that, then your expectations aren't going to be very high. And <laughs> we might turn out to be, you know, the 673rd. So it's not as bad as all that. All right. Um, on that note. <laughs> better hear myself a bit. No more carefree laughter. Silence ever after. Oh, 
walking through an empty house, tears in my eyes. This is where the story ends. This is goodbye. Knowing me, knowing you. Uh (laughs) We'll get that ringing out of Thor Podge. (laughs) It was a very long build-up to a very mediocre joke. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how many times times he's heard it. Right, yeah. (laughs) If you know him... Put it in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> so who's doing this? Is it mine? Hey, yeah, I've got it. We've got it. Okay. He's ready. So, no, I'm kind of 18, uh, born in Liberia, according to Transfer Market, but he's represented England at under 16 and under 17 level. Uh, very versatile player, can play in midfield, uh, can play... As a defender in midfield, he can play as a number eight. He's got good engine, he's powerful, he can travel with the ball. Uh, more seen in midfield as a number four. Uh, so sort of that deep line role, the Phillips role. Then in a back three, he can play as the middle centre-back, the right centre-back. Uh, he can play as a centre-back in a back two. Uh, well, in a back four as a centre-back pairing. And then uh, for England as well, I believe he's played right-back a few times, which makes sense as well. You know, a, good, a good engine to get forward, uh, strong lad. Yeah, he's, he's a good player, one of the biggest prospects in the academy, if we're being honest. Obviously, we talk a lot about not heaping pressure on on these lads, but he's widely seen as quite a big prospect that we've got on our hands. Uh, I believe this is not where my knowledge comes from. I promise I've watched him play a lot of times and this is me talking, but I'd, I'm not a big football manager player, but I believe he's quite hot on that game. So, yeah, for anybody watching uh, that plays football manager, get him signed. Wonderkid. Um, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah like I say, I'm not a, not a football manager player, but um, I know that's, I know he's he's quite good on that game. But yeah, a big big physical presence. Uh, it'll be he, he must be six foot two, I would say. I've, I've not got that information, but he, he's well over six foot, I would say. Uh, big strong presence, can carry the ball, powerful, quick. Uh, he's got one goal for the 23s this season. It came against Middlesbrough from a set piece, um, but he's played eight games. And then he's contracted until 2022 at Leeds. So we'll probably do getting that extended, probably. Uh, if Victor Orta's watching this, which I doubt he is, please, please get him, please get him extended. <laughs> so yeah, that's the that's the Norman kind of profile. I believe Rob, you've got some stats as well. Yeah, just a bit of um, an opinion-based stuff. But yeah, so um, he's been in the squad 12 times, starting 11-6, um, bench four. Um, he missed the early part of the season because we've spoke about this before previously as well, when he was playing for the actual age group that he's supposed to play for, the kind of under-18s age. Um, he played against Manchester United, I believe, um, at the back end of last year, just before Christmas. Oh. Exactly. Um, he played in a DM Scum. role and we lost 4-0. Um, but um, when he's taken the step up, he's one of the shining examples of something that we do speak about on this uh, recording a lot which is players that play above their age range but look comfortable. So he's moved from 18s to 23s and recently, well, since Christmas, has played or featured in all of the 23 squads except one. Um, And as Matty said, he's popped up at DM, the middle centre-back of a three when we adjust and play with higher wing-backs, especially when the first 11 lads have dropped down 
um, and you've seen this kind of um, Costa or Pavetta appearances on the wings, um, he's dropped deeper. But when he's uh, playing with his age group and given a bit more freedom, he pushes up and uh, demonstrates his skills in a Phillips role or a number eight. So, yeah, um, big, strong, likeable-looking footballer in terms of his movement, his intelligence, the way he reads the game. Um, I do think DM or CDM will be his natural position. But as we speak about regular versatility is key and to be able to drop him into centre-back or push him forward to eight um, would be a big arsenal for his weaponry if, if he can keep up with that development in his attacking play. And he popped up with a goal just a couple of weeks ago. Really impressed me in the Borough game. Um, I thought yeah. um, he was unlucky not to be starting against Palace. But obviously that was a bit of switching around due to the Berardi coming in, wasn't it? And rehabilitation and position swapping. Um, so, yeah, I like him a lot. I think he's a great talent. England under-17s, as Matty mentioned, um, on his CV already. So extend the contract for me, keep him grounded and keep him developing at the club rather than loan him out. He seems like a nice kid. 1.9 metres. So he's not short either. He's he's quite tall. He's actually slightly taller than me, which is impressive. Um, uh, (laughs) I just like the way you were surprised by that. I was surprised because normally, especially when you have a, a right back, yeah. um, they're not quite so tall. But obviously, Matty's talked about him playing in the defensive midfield role, talked about him playing in a centre-back pairing, talked about him on and right back. And unlike Matty, a lot of my knowledge is based on um, <laughs> spurious things like football manager. And uh, there was a story uh, from footballmanagerstory.com and some some bloke bought him for uh, let's see 700k for his team and this means absolutely nothing you're probably skipping ahead of this in which case <laughs> you're not listening so i can say what i want um <laughs> watford bought him in the, in the game for 32.5 million a couple of years later arsenal paid 45 million for him and then three seasons four seasons after that liverpool paid 107 million pounds but no, are we? Is this is this realistic, Matty? Can we see 107 million for no one can I mean, with is the way about- with the way the market's going uh, and Victor Arta's negotiating skills, let's just uh, let's just not rule it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the on on Football Manager, he can be retrained as a centre back and right back, so that's quite realistic. Um, he's a hard hitting ball winner. He's got high physicality, aggression, and work rate, monster strength, and uh, incredible stamina. So there you go. Does that all seem accurate? Yeah, pretty accurate. Okay, so is that the known Kenner section brought to a close then? Yeah, I've got it sorted with um, finishing when he's going to be sold to Liverpool for 107 million. Right, there you go. Heard it here first. (laughs) Rob, do you have anything else to say about known Kenner? Okay, I think we've covered um, it all. Right. So, Wolves then. Um, first v third. Uh, Wolves have 26 points, so we have 14 points more than them. Uh, we should be winning this, no? Mm. They're third, know. but we should be winning. We spoke Good. about this, We spoke about this, didn't we, With uh, a few weeks ago. It was supposed to be first versus second, us v them. And then the game was postponed and rearranged. And then now there's been different changes in the table. But I think 
this will be a tough game, as we mentioned before. I think it's winnable, 100% it's winnable. We've got the squad and the quality, but it'll be a tougher game than I think we think it might be. Definitely. Uh, just looking here, Wolves beat Palace a couple of weeks ago and obviously we've seen Crystal Palace's quality ourselves just this week. Uh, then they're coming into the back, coming on to this uh, with two 2-0 two wins. So they beat Palace 2-0 on the 22nd and then Wolves, uh, Fulham 2-0 away on the 26th. So in good form themselves and we're bouncing back from a defeat. So yeah, we're going to have to be going to have to be a good performance. They drew, I think it's our, is it our only draw of the season, a 2-2 against Wolves um, at Thorpe Arch. Uh, that was Jacko's first game in charge, I think. So obviously we've come a long way since then, but uh, Geller and Greenwood scored that day, I think. Um, and that was a really tough game. Wolves looked like a quality side. Definitely one of the best sides we've played this season. So, Expecting a tough game, and if we can return to winning ways, obviously that that'll be ideal. But probably another draw won't even be a bad result, just to keep kind of keep them at bay. I mean, 14, 14 points gap to, like I said, one of the best teams we've played just showed shows how well we've been, how well we've done, especially this second half of the season. Obviously, being on fire, and I'm sure the lads won't let the Palace game get them down. I mean, obviously difficult after going down to ten men, uh, still ten points clear at the top of the league, still flying. So. Yeah, I'm expecting them to be fired up and, and bounce back. It was 2 all. Uh, Gilhart and Greenwood did score the goals. Um, for them, it was Kundal and Corbinu, <laughs> which is a fun name. Um, it was Van den Heuvel, Casey, Hosanna, Drame, McCalmont, Huggins, Jenkins, McKinstry, Stevens, Gelhart, and Greenwood. So it was a... Th- Three one four two. It looks like three of those lads are out on loan, aren't they? Um, mm. Now, so it's a different shape team than what. Like I think you said, it was Jacko's first game, wasn't it, Matty? So yeah. still, still understanding the squad. We've brought up the 18s now, and obviously, depending on what's going on with the first with Paveda and Barardi's rehabilitation, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see them involved. Um, Greenwood's back on the pitch, as we know, so maybe he will be on the bench as well. I think he's on his way back now. He's been back training for at least two weeks, I think, unless he's had another knock. So I think we'll win. I think it'll be a tight, tight, for, tight affair. I think I'm going for 2 1. Okay. Score prediction, May? Uh, yeah, I'm going to join Rob with a 2 1. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I'm, I, I just expect the under 23s to win every single game. You know, they could be playing Real Madrid or something. I'd, I'd still expect them to win. Okay, um, is that about it then? So, final thoughts for the week? Yeah, don't let the Palace result get us, get the boys down. Uh, let's just go back to Wolves and show our quality again. Uh, obviously, we'll be without Somerville. So, interested to see who comes in. And that may be Max Dean, who we obviously spoke about the other week. Uh, so, yeah, just interested to see who comes in for Somerville. Interested to see how they respond, because obviously not many defeats we've had this season. We did respond well to the last defeat. We went and won nine in a row. So, yeah, hopefully if we can do that again and respond well, uh, that's that's what we're looking for and a 2-1 win, like we say. Okay, Rob? Keep churning away and I think that we'll we'll wrap it up soon enough. I think once they've uh, got the title in the bag or at least the promotion in the bag, um, the weight will be lifted off their shoulders because it's a phenomenal effort for the season so far. So yeah, keep churning out the results, performances. Don't let the Palace results get them down, and, and do the job over the next few weeks to seal the title. Yep, um, same from me. Really, um, two red cards in the last two games. So it'd be nice to have a referee who's not 
crazy <laughs> and making it all about him. Um, but the players can't think about that. They've got to think about that's not who they are. They're the team that won nine in a row. Um, so get back on the horse and uh, back to winning ways. So if you enjoyed this podcast, you can find us at Peacock's Raw on Twitter or uh, the Roaring Peacock LUFC fan channel. Check out the branding on YouTube. Um, please subscribe. It would help us a lot. Uh, leave a comment. Tell us what you think about the under-23s. We try and reply to every single one. And we're building up a little community. It's just really nice to hear what what you guys think and have that interaction. So uh, I've been Ross uh, at RossBell1984. It's a very good bye from me. Thank you for listening. And uh, at Juicy Rob has been with us as well. Thank you for listening and see you next week. And uh, at Matt Ingham 17 who is also the owner of uh, at LUFC Academy News, which is uh, lufcacademycentral.com. So check that out as well. He was uh, Matty. So thanks very much, Matty. Thank you very much. See you next week. Come on, Leeds! Most of our stats come from LUFC Stats or LUFC Data on Twitter. A very special thanks to Barney Stewart, Cooper Ewan and Howard Metcalf, Josh Pearson, Laura, Leon and Rob, The Light Show and all our family and friends. Don't care what's